episode 18 and uh, Craig and I have not had any time to prepare because I want to just, I want to go at them right here off the bat. We're going to have Paul Hamilton and Mike Harrington on today. Do like a little state of the Sabres, but only we'll call it something else other than state of the Sabres. But I don't want to put a date on this show, but last night the Sabres lost to the Panthers seven to four. And a lot of criticism lately has been about the goaltending. Goaltending, goaltending, goaltending. They just made a trade for Malcolm Subban for future considerations. I like the move. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, by the way, good morning, Craig. Good morning, but keep going. I, this, this is great. I'm really sorry to kind of catch you off guard here. but it, Well, you, you definitely did. I know. But, uh, that's what you like to do. No, that's when it's most organic. See, that's what I'm, you know, that was one of the things that, that for five years doing the live show, you know, it's like prep, 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 prep. And it's like, that's because you need to make sure you're, you're organized. But I mean, yeah. we've had two days to prepare for the next show. So, I mean, like we kind of have an idea where we're going. We got Bone and uh, Harrington coming on. We've never had an interview with Harrington before. I'm really excited to talk to these guys together. Yep. They've worked alongside each other, not with each other, with the same company, but alongside each other in the press box covering the Sabres for years. So it should be a good state of the Sabres type conversation today. But I just want to go back on a conversation that we've had with Brian Gianta and we had it with Elliot Friedman and you and I've had it off the air and it's the big conversation on social media because the Sabres made a move for a goalie. Aaron Dell plays last night. This is not goaltending. That last yes, night was... It, yes, it is. Oh my God. Okay, there are, there are moments where it's like, yeah, okay, maybe an unbelievable stellar goalie like Ryan Miller will save a couple of those. Like maybe he's not sprawling out of position on the power play goal from the side, but, but a guy in left alone, untouched inside the box from two feet out of the net and the guy's behind the net and he feathers a pass between, I think it's Darlene's skate and the post right on his tape. Like is the goalie supposed, is, is he supposed to cover the guy behind the net and the guy in front, like untouched. Okay. And then there's the, the tip in front. I think it's uh, I don't know if it's Reinhardt or whoever. Yep. Yeah, you know, there's a, there was a couple shots. Yeah, Carlson completely, uh, just left completely alone. Like not even a stick on the man. Like the guy's stick is there, just free to to go and and tip the puck out of the air. Which these guys are obviously very talented. I'm watching it right now. Okay, like I I'm watching it right now. I have all the goals right here because that's why I started this so rapidly. Because I'm like, I got to get this off my chest. Like, yes, yes. Yes, and on a really, really good team, you're sitting there going, our goalie's got to have some of those. But all seven? All seven? Two of them were open nets, Petey. See, I didn't watch the end of the game. So I Two saw, of them were open nets. Fine. There's I five saw, goals scored. Five goals and... scored. I saw the fifth goal. I've seen them. I've seen them. I didn't see the rest. Thank you for telling me that. Yeah. I... It's not all goaltending, Riv. I Listen. Never said it was all goaltending. I never said ever that it was all goaltending because I don't, you know, listen, I'm usually the guy who's protecting the goaltenders because they were, they were the guys that I stood in front of my whole career and had to try and protect and, and, and uh, you know, make it as easy on them as possible. That's, that was my job throughout my entire career. Um, I was that last line of defense before, you you uh, got to the goaltender and I and I respect these guys they have a very difficult job um, 
and there's there's teams that make it really easy on the goaltenders and the structure in which they play and there's other teams that are just complete disasters and i don't care if you have carry price in there i don't care if you have the most elite goaltender vasilevsky if vasilevsky right now was playing for the buffalo sabers he would not be vasilevsky he would not be the goaltender that everybody's talking about that's in the running every single year for the vesna because the Sabres are not a good defensive team. Their defense, their defense, I'm, like right now on defense, you know, I, I, I know there's a transition here and I know that the organization is working through this and they, they need time to allow players in their system to develop, okay, to mature. Guys like Matthias Samuelson, who is a second round draft pick. He's six foot five, 230 pounds. He's all character. As soon as you hear this man's name, he is all character. He is continuing to improve himself in the minors right now. You have Owen Power that there's, dis- there's discussions right now that he could be a Hobie Baker award winner. That's yeah, how I, well I, he's I, playing. Okay. This I get is all, another I get guy that. that is going to come into your lineup in a very near future and help this team. The defense that we have right now are band-aids. They're 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 you know they're they're patching up, um, you know something that they're they're okay, I don't so think they're long for the for the. So game with, without you going through an entire organizational structural kind of where they're at type thing right this second, it's not all goaltending. It's 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 not. And it's, anyway, it's, I don't listen. Like, it's not all goaltending, but holy jumping, make a damn save! You, 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 okay. You, these are NHL goaltenders, or actually, no, I, I'm going to take that back. They're not NHL goaltenders. <laughs> They're actually American League goaltenders. Then help them the out a little game. more. Help them out a little bit more. You know how you chuck them a bit of a bone. Make a goddamn lift save. Up, lift up okay? a stick. Lift up a stick. Cover the man in the slot. Cover the man two feet from the yeah, crease. Well, Cover him. Why are there's okay tomato on, right on now the no 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 not tomato tomato save. no not tomato tomato on the, the back Sabres door up the Sabers were up three nothing at one point three nothing three one Sabres, four one and and another in another part of the game the Sabers were up four to one yeah with like half right the after they scored it was, it was right after they scored Casey Middlestad made it four to one it was right after um uh, Florida made it three to one. Like it was three three nothing. Then Florida scored. It was the, you know the, the one play that gets me is is uh, I don't even know which goal it is. I'll have to go back and look. But the two players go to the one player on the side with the puck and leave leave someone all alone on the far side. You just watched the game too. So anyway, I'm just I'm just letting you know. Like it, I just feel bad for the goalies that they're getting shit on because it's not they all them. Get shit but, on. Oh, they should get shit. You know on. what? You know There's what? The reason why they went out and they grabbed another guy who is basically uh, a bit of a band aid himself. Like he's played. Malcolm Subban has played in the National Hockey League. He's just not good enough to stay in the National Hockey League. That's why he's in the minors. Okay, he played a couple games in the minors this year, and his statistics are not desirable. They're not, you're not sitting there saying, wow, this, this guy is a bona fide NHL goaltender. We need to have him. It's just another, it's another Band-Aid. The ones that they have right now, they're not working out. So go and try someone else that's on a uh, uh, very uh, cap-friendly contract and uh, let's see if he can uh, catch fire. 
Well, it, you know what? He's a former first-round pick by the Bruins. I don't know if – was he picked up in the expansion draft by Vegas? I can't remember how he ended up with Vegas. But he ended up in Vegas. I thought – didn't he do all right? Like, I haven't gone and looked up his stuff. Didn't he do all right at the start of his time in Vegas? I thought he won a couple games there or something. But anyway, he's a former first-round pick. It takes a while for goalies to pan out. Like, look at uh, Jacob Markstrom. You know, he's he's just now – you know, people are starting to 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 praise his play over the last few years. So, I mean – you know, he, and he was a second round pick, but you go back. I mean, maybe this, maybe this is a good opportunity for him to get a lot of games, you know, fresh start, you know, different expectations. Cause I, I don't know what the expectations were there in Chicago when he went there, but when you have Kane and Taves coming back and all those other guys, you're kind of thinking like, we gotta, we gotta maybe try and go for it here, you know, but you have flurry, you know what I mean? I don't know. We got uh, we got Bone and Harrington coming on here soon. So you want you know bust- what these two these two men um, love them or hate them have followed this team for an extremely long time. They've seen uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you know what? They're just in a situation. Everybody right now in Saberland knows that there is there is a transitioning happening right now knowing that um, there, there are some positive things in this Sabres lineup that we're seeing on a nightly basis, but there's also things in this lineup that we know will probably not be here in one year or, or two years from now. This team is going to be changed tremendously in one and two years, okay? And right now, it's, it's, it's almost... Uh, a year that we're, we're seeing guys develop into certain roles that they're going to play moving forward. I keep, and, and I will continue to talk about, because we're not Camp Bay Lightning. They don't care about guys in the minors. They care about right now. They're in win mode now. Buffalo Sabres are in a completely different situation. They're looking at the development of the players that are playing in different leagues right now. And once you start to slowly integrate those players into your lineup with the high-end skill, the, these high draft picks, you're going to see a different team. It's going to change, and, and it's going to be an exciting time for the Sabres fan base because you're going to see this change. You're already seeing it in the minors. We have a 20-year-old eighth overall draft pick in Jack Quinn. He's leading the league in goals and in points. He's doing, he's playing very well, and he is 20 years old. It's incredible. So there's a lot of positive things that we're seeing moving forward, but it's just going to take a little bit of time. So Malcolm Subban, before we uh, get Bowen and Hammy on here, Malcolm Subban, 6'2", 215. He's 27 years old. He'll be 28 on December 21st. Uh, was in the minors all of this year. Last year in Chicago, 16 games, 6'8", and 1. 320 goals against average and 900 save percentage. But when he was in Vegas that first year that I was referencing, he played 22 games and his record was 13, four and two. Okay. You know, I mean, he had a really good team in front of him and I, you know, like he had flurry obviously there ahead of him playing, but I mean, it's just, there's potential there for this guy. There's potential there for this guy. So I hope it works out. It goes to show, it goes to show the difference in the product that when you play in a good team to a, to a team that's not very good. I'd say that goes for, yeah, that's absolutely right. That goes for, for all positions. Especially for a goaltender. 
I mean, I don't care how good you are. I don't care if you're the number one goaltender in the National Hockey League. If you come to a team that does not play defense well, you're going to get exposed. The old bud. All right. Welcoming into episode 18, Mike Harrington. We've never actually talked like this in in like a, a, I don't want to say interview type thing, but just like conversation. And the bone, Paulie Hamilton. Welcome in, gentlemen. Thanks for joining us. And so Riv and I are chatting and we're like, we got to do a, we got to do a state of the Sabres or some kind of a, a a Sabres show and who better to do it with than the two guys that always seem to get the first questions in the press conferences. (laughs) It's called they're old. That's what that means. And I are brawling about the first words out of the, and this one too. Well, (laughs) how's it going? First of all, gentlemen. Hey, I, what do I always say, guys? It doesn't matter what the Sabres record is. I'm always 82 and 0. The story is in on deadline. And <laughs> I, I can't lose. I have a good gig for it. Well, hey, you I can't, can't lose. I can't lose either. I cover hockey for a living. It doesn't matter if it's good hockey, if it's bad hockey. I'm not out in two degree weather digging ditches. I'm covering hockey for a living. So life is good. Well, let's let's talk about that hockey team. I mean. Uh, you know, where, where are we with this team? And, uh, you know, obviously, we, we, you know, we, they say don't put a date on, the, on a podcast, right? So, but, but last night the Sabres were up 3 nothing on the Florida Panthers. And, you know, we all know the result. The Panthers come back and win 7-4. to four, And goaltending has been heavily criticized. Sabres make a move yesterday for Malcolm Subban. And, you know, just I think we have to start right there. So, Mike, we'll start with you. Like, uh you know, where is this team at right now? And, and is it what, what you had expected? You see it sometimes, maybe more than sometimes on Twitter from me. Make a save. That's one thing that jumps at me. Now, defensively, when you're giving up six and seven goals every night, it's not just the goaltending. I get it. But uh, that was another game where they crumbled. They had a lead. They crumbled. Arendelle couldn't bail them out, couldn't make a save. We're never going to see Arendelle again play another game for the Buffalo Sabres. The poor guy is just not an NHL goalie. All that said, I think in the big picture of things, when the whole world picked the Sabres to be the worst team since the 75 Capitals coming into this season, it isn't bad. You're seeing some individual development. You're seeing some offense. But holy cow, they have got to figure out how to lock down games when they have a lead. And here's the favorite stat we have going here is since the middle of November, since the Leafs game, They've scored four goals five times and lost all five games. How do you not get a point when you score four goals in a game? It happens over and over again. Right now, they're a defensive disaster. They did win one. They beat Montreal four to one. Well, I'm talking about there's been five losses with four oh, goals. I, oh, okay. Okay, yeah. gotcha. But, you know, Brian, right you now, tried, to, be... tried to slide a little fact in there and screw him <laughs> a little bit. Hey, you tried. You tried. That's not the first time that's happened. Amazing. They're arguing already. This is awesome. <laughs> you, you know, I, I just, just hey. They always oh, have to lock it down. I mean. So I, how do you do that? How do we it, do it's that? It's hard. You know, it's you hard. Know, we, we knew that this team uh, and Kevin Adams it, made major, major moves. Big transition with this team moving forward. Um, I think to this point, and I'm only going to speak for myself, that I'm pretty happy with what, with what has happened. Um, the old power, um, you know, the Sam Reinhards, the wrist linings, the Jack Eichels, that just did not seem to work. It didn't seem like the, uh, the right fit for, um, 
you know, what, what Kevin was trying to do moving forward. That being said, a lot of moves made, a lot of players in, a lot of players out. You know, your quarter season, we knew that this team was going to struggle. I remember at the start of the season, they won a couple of games and everyone's like, holy jumping, I think we got a chance to make the playoffs. And then you're like, hold on, just wait. We knew that this team was going to struggle a little bit, but where, where, are the, where are the spots that you're, you know, raising an eyebrow saying, I really like this. I really like this. I know, we know that there was going to be some struggles, but there's some areas on this team that you can clearly see are making strides. Where is that? Dylan, obviously, I, I think the first one would be Tate Thompson. I mean, uh, Thompson, right. yeah, I mean, that's, that's just so obvious. And, and, you know, I'm starting, you know, when we get to the other side of the coin, I'm starting to question some of the things Don Granato is doing, but the one thing I love about what he does is he sits there in the summertime and comes out of nowhere. You know what? I think Tate Thompson would be better as a center. It's not like he's ever seen him do it. He hasn't done it. He did it a little at UConn, but not much. He's basically did it last time when he's in Bantam hockey. But he understand he 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 has a mind for that kind of stuff. That you know what? If we put him at center, you know, he gets blocked off by the wall and he doesn't have a lot of options. He's a guy that needs to be free. He needs to be have options left, options right. You know, that's what he talked about and why he did it. But that's I love the way he thinks that way, that he's not afraid to try things. And he called Tage and said, you know what, be ready. I think at training camp we may try at center at some point. You know, and, and Tage at the National Development Program, was he with the Granado there? I don't think he was. Uh, I made that error. I told you that, Craig. And I, I'm now that I, I think maybe it was in college that I he maybe okay. played center. Okay. I, I was under the impression. So Tage has that played Tage, center in the past. Yeah, in college for sure. I think a in little college bit, but, a little bit, but not. Yeah. He said not a whole lot. Yeah, but I. So I thought. I thought that I and I'll double check. See, that's what you guys do, and I don't. I can throw stuff off the cuff and make it up. You guys got to have the facts. <laughs> I, I thought he had. I thought he played for Don Granado at some point at the NTDP, and maybe he had him at center. Now I might have completely screwed that up which is not unlikely um but sorry i made that mistake but you guys were talking about bone i wanted to ask you you said something in there i thought was interesting you you said that your don granado is doing some things that you are starting to question what are those things the way he's handling the team you know it's it's always well they make a mistake they know it i'm not going to jump on him i'm not going to harp on it well this Giving up goals, three goals in three minutes, three goals in five minutes, four goals in five minutes is starting to become almost a nightly thing. And it drives me crazy because it's just like they play a good first period. They leave the first period. I'm just going to use the Florida game as an example. You're up three, nothing. Now you're halfway through the game and you've responded to Florida's goal. Now it's three to one, but Casey Middlestack comes, comes, comes back and scores a goal for you. So now you're past the halfway point of the game and you're up four to one. And here it comes. And I'm going to be totally honest with you. There wasn't one second in that game that I thought they were going to win it. Not one. I knew Florida was going to come back. I knew exactly what was going to happen. I knew they were going to give up a bunch of goals quickly. And next thing you know, it was going to be over for them. In the Florida game, three goals in a little over five minutes. It happened again. And, 
something is not right, and they are not responding to Don Granado at all in that. They just keep doing it. Mike said it, make a save. I mean, is that what you're waiting for? You're, are you waiting for goaltending? Is that is it that simple? Yes. That when, 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 yes. All, when all that happens and you're yes. giving up three goals in three, in three minutes – or four goals in five minutes, and you're doing it night after night. This after is interesting. Night. Is this it is simply interesting. make a save? Yes. Bone, this is, okay, Mike, you say yes. Craig says yes, too. I say no. We argued about this before you guys so came before on. Before you guys so got on, Mike, we recorded well a little done. bit. And, and Craig, you know, and we Just weren't. make a bloody save. That's right. why I these guys completely, are I completely National disagree. I completely in disagree. the National Hockey League, too, on, on, on not every single solitary night. But there, you have to get a save from your goaltender to maybe gather a little bit of uh, confidence that this guy is going to make a save for us, and that may forge the team in a better direction. Right now, they're not getting a save anywhere. It has been a struggle for you know, quite some time, and now it's an issue. Now you're looking at the goaltending and you're focused on the goaltending. I'm going to tell you this. It's not just the goaltending. Does Malcolm Subban fix it for you, Mike? Sorry, Riv. He, I, he does, I don't think Malcolm Subban fixes it, but the one thing Malcolm Subban does is he's not Aaron Dell. And I think everyone on the ice and everyone watching the ice understood that Aaron Dell was not an NHL goalie and was not going to get them through a game. And we saw that last night again. You know, he couldn't move laterally at all on the one goal. He was way too late to cover it. And he just never makes – now, it was a good first period he played, especially he stopped that breakaway right off the hop. He never makes the save. This is the NHL. You've got to be able to make saves. These are the best players in the world. They get scoring chances. And the goalie's there to stop the puck. And this team simply, since the Tokarski game in Pittsburgh, hasn't gotten any saves at all. But this scoring in bunches does happen to Tukarski too. Yes, I agree with you. With because Del, he hasn't Del. stopped the puck enough either. <laughs> and he's had some fantastic I, games, but right. he's also – but this just happens so, so much. And, you know, they also are giving up grade-A tap-in chances too in some of these cases also. Grade-A, grade-A. And it's like wh- where it's is not even it's not even grade-A chances. It's not even grade eight chances because I want to jump on your on your on your uh, train here, Bone. And I, it's not even grade eight chances. It's like it's not doing the things. No, granted, I know I made a lot of defensive mistakes. The game out there for me was way too fast. It was so fast. I mean, there were like obvious. Doesn't matter. It was so fast. But these are plays where, like I said to Craig earlier, a guy a all alone in a four man box for the Sabers a pass from behind the net between a skate and a post for a tap-in. I mean, the goalie can't have the player behind the net and the guy in the slot. Like, yeah, you'd love for that to hit him. But, but, and maybe the great goalies react to it. But just, you know, when you have, like, just a goalie in there, you got to do a little bit more than that. You know, the tips, like, no one lifting sticks, no one taking bodies. Like, the, the one play, the cross-ice play from the corner where you have uh, two Sabre players going directly to the puck – and two Florida players left all alone in front. What about the Seattle play, Petey? The one that struck me, if you want to go defense, the goal from behind the net where the guy out muscle Joe Haru in the back, he dumps it in front, and Jared McCann's got hand. an open tap in. And there's four guys watching. It was like the Ralston Caterpillar. Remember the Ralston Caterpillar in San Jose? Oh, it was God, almost like 
It was almost like that play, four guys watching. Now, that's not a goalie thing. Craig, are you and I think, player? Craig, you can speak to this. If you're a defenseman and you don't have any confidence the guy behind you is going to make a save on a rush, you play differently. You play tighter. You, you do screwy things because you think you've got a cover for that goalie as the puck's coming down the ice. It changes the way the defensive mentality of the game is played. But it doesn't change it to where you're gliding back, watching watching everything in front of well, you. Well, not. And four guys are gliding. Goal, that was a joke. That was a joke. Totally. That was a joke. But it changes the way guys play. I don't want to overdose on the Calgary game. The Calgary game was really the outlier. That I don't even know where their heads were that night. Hey, so Bone, those, it those sounds were, like Mike's starting to switch. Like, switch. But again. No, I'm not switching. I'm just saying it's it's they have to make saves. They've been at the bottom of the league in saves. They're not good enough defensively either. But at some point, your goalie has to pick your team up. And when does the goalie pick this team up? It hasn't happened since Pittsburgh. You know, I don't disagree with the save part of it, but I think he's, I think he's, I think he's coddling these guys too much. You know, he, he says quite often, these guys know when they make a mistake. They don't need me on them, on them, whatever. It's like, but when you start making the same thing is happening over and over and over in games where you're giving up all these chances. And if, if they could correct this score goals and bunches thing, think of the more, how many more points they would have. Now, that's when so, we say, but, are they a but better Bowen, team? If you're, if you're looking at this and you're saying that, you know, solidify, you know, there needs to be a calming influence. And, and the top teams in the league, if you're, if you're struggling in Tampa Bay, and you need to kind of solidify things, what are you going to do? You're going to have Victor Hedman on the ice more. He is a solidifying factor. He's big. He's strong. He's fast. He can close on, on players. And you can just go around the league and look at teams that have those solidifying factors. Well, you're looking at our team, and we don't have any of those solidifying factors. We have a player, quite frankly, that plays 25-plus minutes a night literally all season long, and he could be a top 10 worst defenseman in the National Hockey League defensively, and that's Rasmus Dahlin. And I do not care. I don't want to hear the shit when people are going to jump all over me for saying this, but he is an incredible – he has composure with the puck like I've never seen on a defenseman. He has offensive instincts. He is a tremendous guy that can move the puck out of the zone. But let me tell you something. When you're cycling, when the other offensive team's cycling in zone – he is lost. He's a fish out of water. He looks like he's playing shinny hockey. And, and that, you're talking about the Sabres need somebody to calm the defense down. Well, who is that guy going to be right now? Yeah, is it going to be one. Mark Pizik, who wasn't even playing defense the last couple of years? Yeah, is it going to be Jacob Bryson? They need Dan I mean, Girardi. That's who they need. Dan Girardi is not on the coaching staff on a full-time basis. That's a guy who could have really helped them, I think, more. I don't think the assistant coaches Granado brought in are helping this defense very much. And I think Dan Girardi could have had a much bigger impact on this club. And I think they miss having him back there. He was back there at the end of last season. I think they miss him a lot. I think that they want him. Be, they but, want him for sure. Yeah. <laughs> He's just not at a light point in his life where he wants to make the commitment to it. Um, but you're right, Craig. I mean, that's the thing is Darlene is your guy. You look at that roster. He's the number one defenseman. He's 21 years old. He's played 200 plus games in the league and he's not good enough remotely defensively. And that's a big, big problem. When you need, when you need someone to solidify things in the back end, he, you know, he's playing half the game almost. Yeah. And for me, when you watch him in the defensive zone, he struggles, he struggles immensely. 
And that's going to hurt. It's going to show up on goals against because the structure on the back end is not quite there yet. Now, is, is Darlene going to be that number one defenseman in the future? Is he going to be a first line pairing in the future? I don't think he is. I don't think he, like when I look at Aaron Ekblad last night, he is a first overall pick, but he's has more defensive responsibilities and more defensive thought in his mind. All the top defensemen in the league that are guys that are playing 25 plus minutes a night. What do they do? Well, they play defense. Because they're on the power play, they're on the penalty kill, they're uh, on the ice at the end of games. Like the teams just throw them out there because you have to have them out there. Now they're going to have that. They're going to have that. His name is Owen Power. Okay. It's going to take a couple years. It's going to be a couple years. So now all of a sudden, you know, we're looking at Darlene, who's in his fourth year. I would have liked to see, um, and I'm not taking anything away from Darlene's skill set because he is world class. But skill set, I, I, I keep saying, you know, what is Darlene right now? What I keep watching in his fourth year in the National Hockey League, he's trending more along the lines of Keith Yendel. And I know people are going to lose their marbles when they hear that. But if you look at back at Keith Yendel and his, his career, he was not a great defensive player, but he was an incredible puck mover and he was an incredible power play guy. And he put up 50 60 points a year. Go back and look at his stats. They're absolutely insane. But he struggled defensively. Kirk, same kind of thing? Or, yeah, Yandel, different level? Yandel, Yandel, different level guy. But, you know, listen, I, I, and Darlene is still a young guy. He still has, has ways to go. And I think as the team gets stronger, I think the team will cover up some of the deficiencies in, in Darlene's defensive game too. But don't you think at age 23, which is two years down the line that maybe he could figure it out. Paul, he's played in the league almost four years now. I know he has three also, and a half years. He's also and, 21. Well, I don't see, I don't just me personally, go back and look at his games when he was 18. Mm-hmm. They're no different than when there are, when they're when he's 21, he's still getting walked. Who gets walked one-on-one? Who gets walked one-on-one in the National Hockey League? Not very many guys. For Hedman, I use the age 23 because that's when the ball went off for Hedman at age 23. It's a different thing because he's not the one number one overall pick. The ball didn't go off for Tage Thompson until age 24. Casey Middlestad, age 23. Um, For McCarr and Carlson, it was 21. Um, But for Hedman, it was 23. So that's what I'm asking. I mean, can he figure it out? Yeah, and aren't you going to be a little more patient with him, Craig, because he is so talented? 100%. You're going to be patient, but he, to me, uh, watching parts of his game, they're very concerning too because I don't know. And again, this is going to come down to how they're treating this player and how they're coaching this player. Like I'm watching him play yesterday on, on just a simple play where a guy drove down, he was a left-handed shot and drove down the right-hand boards, came over the blue line, cut to the middle of the ice and ripped the shot on net. And Darlene went down to try to, to try to block the shot. No, it's got to be stick on puck. You're, you're told that when you're in like peewee, you have a guy cut across the ice. You have to have the stick in the lane. So the guy doesn't, it deters the guy from even shooting the pucks. These are small details that you learn, I think, 
when you're younger. Well, he does not have those. He is How did that get by all the scouts? Because every single team because in the National Hockey wizard. League would have drafted him He's a wizard with the one. puck. He's a wizard with the puck. He is, he is more skilled than most, most uh, forwards in the National Hockey League. His brain in which the poise that he has with the puck when he's under pressure is, is second to none. You know, but but that's when he about, has the puck. And here's what I'm worried about, guys. And I think if you go back at the tape, you watch this. Watch the tape of the first empty net goal last night. Okay? I don't Got remember right, who scored. Got it right here. <laughs> it, watch the tape of that goal. Watch what Darlene does on that goal. It's 5-4. He quits. He quit on he it. Quits. Yeah. He quits. He gives the guy a little love tap with the stick and skates away. Yeah, that was Huberto. Yeah, Huberto's goal. And I, I couldn't believe that. The game's probably over. I get that. Just a bad look. You can't quit on a play like that. And he completely quit on the play, just tapped the guy. And I'm like, what are you doing? Where's your head? You know, you and this is Mike, this show. is what I don't like about Don Granada. That it's it's well, he'll figure it out or whatever. I've seen Rasmus Dahlin sat twice in his career for uh, it was two periods of a game once and a third period. The other. Both times he responded very well. Granado doesn't believe in that. He believes in you keep throwing him out there. You, you keep letting him go. You don't want him to get nervous that if he makes a mistake, he's going to be on the bench. But I have seen him respond twice to a benching. And I, that's where I think Don Granado is, is wrong here because we're just watching the same things over and over and over and over. And it doesn't, you know, as I said, this bunch scoring. And I think some people need to, need to wind up on the bench a little bit if they're doing yeah. it over and over again. And Rasmus oh, Dallin, tough love might do it. And can't, that, you can't, that's what I disagree with. Can't bench him. Why? They've benched him before. I'll tell you he's, why. He's I'm not kidding when I say this because of you guys. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm kidding. Right. You know, and I'm not just talking in Buffalo. I'm talking about pro sports in general. I mean, media. I mean, the, the reaction to it. Sure. You know, but I think Granado is also a little – I think Paul's right. Granado is overreacting. To the, I think he, he thinks a lot of these players, you know, have post-Kruger stress syndrome, you know, and, and, and they were so tight when Ralph Kruger was the coach and they were so afraid to make a mistake that he doesn't want them playing that way and he might be going too far in the other direction. And I think as time goes on and these games pile up, some of these guys are getting looser and looser. And I think they start to know we're not going to get benched so we can keep doing some of these things. And there is no penalty behind it. And the only thing I would say to what Paul has been saying, which we don't know, is Granado, and we just don't know him well enough because he hasn't been the coach long enough. Is Granado saying what he's saying to us? And is he different behind the door? And we know for a fact, it, we found out over time, Housley was that way. Housley said nothing aren't, to us. Craig, aren't all coaches time. that way? You but, uh, a lot of Lindsay was. And I mean that as a compliment because you were, you you've been in the league for so long. But aren't all coaches that way? You know, say one thing behind closed doors and then yeah. say another thing to the Lindy media. Wasn't? Yeah, but guy, Lindy, Lindy, Lindy was a. Lindy was um, Lindy had a very 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 long leash. He was here a very very long time. Um, there was no pressure. Uh, he, he wasn't looking around the corner for his job. He was Buffalo. He was tell it the way it is. And, you know, if a guy stunk, he would directly tell him he stunk and he's going to tell the media and he doesn't care. And that was Lindy's, uh, mantra. That's who he was. I would think that most 
uh, coaches in the league right now, they try and downplay because they don't want the circus. They don't want the, uh, the article. They want to say as least as they possibly can. And when the doors close, you might get a very, very different coach and how he's uh, treating the players. And I don't know what's going on with uh, Don Granado. I don't know if that's the case. Um, but I do agree with Paul Hamilton. If you listen, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you win games, you win games with offense, but you win championships with defense. And I'm going to tell you right now, you will have exceptionally good hockey teams that are going to be highly competitive. If you teach your highly skilled offensive players to care about defense, just as a, as they as they do offense very clever way of rewording a uh, very famous cliche craig (laughs) and we saw this so we saw this with jack when did jack have his near heart trophy season in 1920 is when he started understanding it was a 200 foot game and it wasn't just in the offensive zone in 1920 became a much better player in 1920 mike you said in 1920 yeah 2019 20 season oh i thought you meant in like in the year come on hamilton get with the program here (laughs) wake up when did he play in 1920 wake up so i want to ask the two nhl players this though if granado is behind closed doors the way he's talking to us and do, do nhl players take advantage of coaches like that have you guys seen that in your careers Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, players, players are like little kids. They're going to get, they're going to try and get away with as much as they possibly can before someone, before, you know, you get a slap in the wrist and told you can't do that and, and maybe get sent to your room for a timeout. That's just the way NHL players are going to do what they feel is the best. And then if they have a coach that coaches them properly that says, no, you're not going to do it your way. You're going to do it my way because I'm worried about the entire team and not just one individual player. And if you don't do what I want, then you're going to get penalized. That's it. And listen, I, I like, I don't want to, I don't want to, to sound like I am all over Rasmus Dahlin because I think he is a very, very young player. He's only 21 years old. He has a very, very long um, career ahead of him. And like you said, Hammy, what would he be like in two years? The maturity, just the, the mental maturity and understanding what it takes to be more successful as, as a team. You know, he's going to learn a lot and he's going to be a better player in two years. It's just for me, I don't think that you can just basically throw this young man the keys to the offensive, uh, you know, goal chart and say, you just do whatever you want and not have to worry about the most important part of your job. And that's playing defense, right? I'm, I'm going to turn this episode into a, at this moment, just into a bit of a Seinfeld episode. I'm, I'm just watching all the goals again. It's, it's, it's not goaltending guys. It's not goaltending. What are the bright spots? What are the, I mean, you know, I, 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 time will tell with Granado. Uh, time, I think the players like him, Bone. I think that's important. Uh, they do. But what's, and I don't want to make it sound like this is a Granado bashing. No, session. it does. There are a lot it, of things he does I like a lot. But this, the, to me, this is becoming an, 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 a, just a nightly occurrence, this goals and bunches thing. And they just can't seem to figure it out. So what are, yeah, and I agree. And I, it certainly didn't sound that is way. Is that I because mean, of the personnel, though? Is that because of the personnel that we have? Yeah, it is. They're not good enough. They're not deep enough. Yeah. 
They're, they don't go. have four good lines. They don't have three great D pairs. They, they make mistakes. The goalies can't cover for the mistakes. I, I'm not saying it's exclusively the goalie. Last night was a game far more defensively, but they don't have a deep enough team. A lot of their talent isn't on the ice yet. Middlestat just returned last night. Add right. Alex Tuck to this team. Next year, add Owen Power. Add, bring Anderson back. Bring Anderson. You know, I mean, have Craig Anderson out there if he hadn't gotten hurt. So they are a little shorthanded here, and it does accentuate the problems. Yeah, They have so, no depth at all, and they've shown us that here. That is a big part of the problem, I think, right there, is they have no depth at, at all. So if they get an injury to Middlestat, to Olafson, uh, Yoki Haru struggling right now. Uh, y- you know, you get the injuries to that, and then Anderson, they don't right now. They don't have the team that can that can overcome that. See, and we knew this was not going to be a good team. This was supposed to be about individual development this year because they were supposed to be terrible. And I think we've seen already, like Paul said, Tage Thompson's a huge story this year. Dylan Cousins is becoming a huge story. Look at the way Dylan Cousins undressed Joe Thornton last night. No, I know Joe Thornton's a hundred years old. You know, but oh, Craig, you're not going to come to the defense. It's of only Super 41, Bowl. Mike. I know, I know, he's, I know he's your boy, Craig. Joe Thornton's older than Craig Reve. Right. You, <laughs> hey, you got to know better, uh, Mike. You're gonna, you're gonna I come know. into the Lions. Joe Thornton's a legend. He's going in the Hall yeah, of Fame. Hundred percent. Cousins undressed him last night, and what we're starting to see from Dylan Cousins is he's making plays. He's yeah. playing confidently, like he can be the man. And to me, Dylan Cousins is a guy who you look at. You know, I know Middlestat's the number one center, and that's how it came out of training camp. This could become, in two years, two to three years, this could be the team of Dylan Cousins and Owen Power. I really think Dylan Cousins' ceiling is that, that high. And you, you ha- he has the body. He has the mental makeup. I mean, look what he's overcome to come from the UConn, go all the way through junior hockey, become a star for Team Canada, become a first-round pick. And I am super high on what we're seeing from Dylan where, right now. Where do you see his game going? What, uh, give me a player in the league that you would like to see Dylan Cousins kind of emulate his game after. Ryan Getzlaff. Dylan Cousins, to me, he's not is physically Craig. But Ryan Getzlaff is a guy to me that he is the Thinking. face of the team. He can score. He can he can feed pucks. He has command with his teammates. I think Dylan Cousins can be that kind of player as he gets older. Look at that light bulb going off right over his I head I was right not now. expecting that one right there. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, Petey knows how much I absolutely love the young Ryan Getzlaff, the Getzlaff that when, when he was playing at the top of this game, he right. was, he was everything. He added the offense. He added the defensive part of the game. He would even actually uh, throw the, the gloves down to, to stick up for teammates and, which and we've set seen. a standard, which we've seen from Dylan. Yeah. And, Fantastic and leader. And certainly don't want to do that. We don't want to see our star players do that, but sometimes it just, um, it, it, it sparks the team because you know that they're, they're a full all around type uh, type player. And I, you know what, I'm going to tell you, that is, that's not one that I was thinking. I, my guy is, and you know, maybe I'm shooting for the, the crazy stars, but you know, a, a Patrice Bergeron, he's a guy who's defensively responsible. He plays against all the best, uh, the best players on the other teams. He can be a power play guy, a penalty kill guy. He's everything. And if, if Dylan cousins can kind of formulate his game to resemble a player like that, I think we're going to be in really, so really pick good. one, Craig, who would you rather him turn into? Don't say, Oh, a little, you know, 
well, both these guys, Con- that Frankenstein, and both or whatever. I want to hear like, what would you, what would you want them? Which one would you rather have them? Listen, I, I another one is is uh, Couturier. I, I just I see Dylan Cousins not as the guy who's going to lead this team in points. He's not going to lead this team in goals. He is going to be the player. He's a big kid. He skates exceptionally well. He's smart. He's highly competitive. He will play a two hundred foot game. He can be physical. He's going to be the secondary scoring um, point producer. Um, may not, may not, and I'm not saying he may not be a first line power play guy, but he's going to be a second power play guy. I don't know. I'm just hypothetically looking at, at his game. You got to remember Getzloff was scoring like a lot of points every single year. And I'm not quite sure that, uh, Dylan cousins will reach that standard, but he is going to be a highly, highly useful for, player for this team. Um, in years to come. I think that we're still looking for that first line center, and I'm going to call Dylan Cousins the second line just for now. We're still looking for the first line center that is going to take this team offensively. Is that Casey Middlestat? Is that Peyton Krebs? Is that even Paige Thompson? We don't know yet, but there are some young prospects, young guys that are working their way, and it's going to be very interesting to see because guess what? Two and a half months ago, guys, we had we had two centermans. We had Casey Middlestat and Dylan Cousins. Now you have the emergence of Paige Thompson, which is mind-blowing. Six-foot-seven guy that can skate like him and, and play like he's playing. A lot of positive things there. How excited about the future players that are in Rochester, are you guys? Very, very. I, I, I mean, you got a whole line of Krebs, Paterka, and Quinn, um, Samuelson. Uh, I, I'm excited about on, on the defense. Uh, three goaltenders in the system, only one of which is in Rochester. Um, I, I think the future looks very bright. And who knows about these Russians they just drafted? And, and you know, those guys, who knows how they're going to develop? Uh, Rosen, the other first round pick that they, they took, you know, these are guys that we really don't know much about. Uh, you know, as they go forward, but uh, some of the guys that I see in Rochester right now, I mean, the Krebs and, and Paterka and Quinn could come up as a line, you know, maybe not this year, but maybe next year. Uh, and, 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 you know, to fill a top six role as Who's a line. playing center there? Krebs, I think. Okay. I know, I know they put him on wing a little bit down in Rochester, but I think your, uh, your, Krebs Vanek, is your Roy Pominville line that came up from Rochester from old four Oh five. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Something like that. And, uh, you know, I do see all three of those guys developing into top six forwards, you know, whether they play together or they don't. Uh, I still think Dylan Cousins can be a number one center, you know, but, I mean, you could be looking at the center ice position of Cousins, Middlestat, Krebs, and Thompson, you know, for a bunch of years to come. Now, then the question is, is that good enough to win? Are those four centers good enough to win with? If, uh, you know, that's what you're going to be moving forward with. I really think there's two things that people who follow the Sabres have to do the rest of this year. The first thing is really pay attention more than ever to the World Junior Championships, because you're going to see a ton of things there in Edmonton when it comes up. Owen Power with Team Canada, Isaac Rosen in Sweden, the kids on the Russian team. You're really going to learn a lot on how they react to top situations. And the other thing I need to see, and I know there might be call-ups, and you don't know how it's going to go. I need to see the Rochester Amherst have a deep playoff run. 
This is a franchise that hasn't won a playoff series in a long time. And these kids really need some high-pressure situations in the AHL, in the playoffs. I think it would really help them. And some of these guys are going to get their NHL debuts, and they're going to go back. And they're going to go back for the playoffs. And I want to see, can Lukanen play in goal and help a team in the playoffs in the AHL? Can Jack Quinn and Paterka and these guys really produce when it counts? Because this whole goaltending argument, one of the issues is if Lukanen had had a really solid training camp, they might have just put Lukanen with Anderson in Buffalo. That's what they they thought they were going to do. He wasn't good enough. And it was obvious to all of us that the And how is he doing in the minors right now? He's played, what, 12 games? Uh, statistics are certainly one great only... week. Yeah, he he had the one great week in November. and a lot of terrible. The October was horrendous. You know, so I mean, there's a concern to me when you look at the goaltending that Lukanen might actually be the third prospect goalie of the three of them. That Portillo and Levi might project better. But I want to see the Rochester Amherst have a deep run and really start to do something and make some hay. And I think that would help these guys going forward. This Levi guy, man. I sent something to you the other day, Petey about Levi the um the it was on it was on the coach Twitter and, about the and, coach the, talking yeah yeah you know in 11 in 10 games um for northeastern Levi is allowed 11 goals against his save percentage is 0.950 and the coach basically said this guy is the real deal he is just unbelievable that's what he did for team canada what was it for four goals in seven games or five goals in yeah. seven games at the world junior, something like that. Yeah. Same yeah. thing. I mean, you look what about Eric? Face. What about Eric uh, Pertillo with, uh, with Michigan? Oh, he's six, six. I mean, they're, they're totally different. One's a little guy. Yeah. The other's six, six. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I've seen probably three of Portillo's games so far. He was excellent in all three. Uh, seems oh. pretty, seems pretty athletic in the net. Seems like he moves pretty well. Uh, in the net, and uh, I, I've liked what I, you know, what I've seen of him. Yeah, good team. He's how many of these players? Team. How many of these players that that are not on the Sabers right now? How many players could you see come into that roster next year? Six. Samuelson, I think for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that whole line gets in next year. Yes, it's yeah, a definite. It's, de- it's a definite. Do that, or do you want to slowly integrate them? Because Krebs, it's like Krebs would be in next year. They don't have to come in as a line. I don't think you would do that necessarily, but they should all, to me, I can't see a scenario where Jack Quinn and J.J. Paterka are not on the Sabres next year. You know, I think I Quinn think- would be the one that, if you're going to pick one that wouldn't be him because he's he's really not as strong right now and uh, he needs to improve his strength. I mean, that's one thing. We talked about Rasmus Dahlin. If he just improved his strength so that, that first shorthanded goal that he gave up the other night doesn't happen if he's stronger on the puck. But he's so easy to knock off the puck and knock down that the first shorthanded goal came. If he becomes stronger on his skates and a stronger man as he gets older, that first goal doesn't happen. The first goal was a trip. Yeah, but still, he went down pretty easy. The second goal was a joke. The first goal was a penalty. So I just, again, Paulie, um, you know, you're looking at uh, Jack Quinn. He He's leading the American Hockey League in goals. He's leading the American Hockey League in points right now. He's 20 years old. Um, 
he has clearly shown that he has the speed and the hockey IQ to score goals. Why would you say that he would be the one player that would not make the jump? Because of strength and size. That's the only, you, 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 I mean, his talent is, I think in the American hockey league is undeniable. So is he better suited to play up here? Clearly Craig wasn't listening because Paul did say that, but go ahead, go ahead. No, I have your conversation. I want, because I'm, I'm surprised with that one. You know, I know J.J. Paterka has played very well, and you look at all the other players that we talked about, and Jack Quinn's leading the American Hockey League in points. And, you know, what... Craig, Jack Quinn was invisible during preseason, you know, when I saw him. And and I I attributed it to just not being strong enough to be able to compete on the National Hockey League level. Now, I understand that it's physical in the American Hockey League, too. I, I get that. But um, and he's excelling there. But that that's another I'm judging it on too. He just didn't seem to be able to perform very well in preseason, and uh, to a point where you didn't even notice him. And I think it was the physicality of the league that was bothering him. Now that he will have a full year of trying to get himself stronger, and I'm sure he's working on it. I mean, that's something that I'm sure they're working with him. And one thing I've heard about Jack Quinn is he very, he is a very hard worker. You know, so, and if you tell him something, as coaches always say this, more than just Seth Appert, that if you tell him something, he absorbs it and he gets it. So I'm sure that he is working very hard to make his body stronger. Get him some Andros, The leading scorer in the AHL. I'm kind of with Riz in this one. To me, I, I, I question the training camp thing. I agree with Paul. He was invisible. I question if he was healthy. I don't know what he, if he was nursing something in camp because he really wasn't there. And to go from invisible in training camp to the leading scorer in the AHL, there was something going on. Well, don't uh, misinterpret I, what I'm saying. I'm not saying he won't make it. I'm just saying if I had to pick one that, that wouldn't that, but I personally, I think probably all three will be here, you know, but I'm, all I'm saying is if one of them is not, that would be the reason why. And I think the big thing too, those three will be here. Samuelson will be here. Luganen has to be here next year. Yeah, he does. He has to be here next year. Otherwise, you're you're going to start to say, you know what? He may not he may not have a future here. I mean, he has to be here next year. He has to. Get so, what is the team. next course of action to go out and actually find the best? Where you might have to pay him a goaltender that is going to be here to be the number one guy where you can bring Lukanen up and and slowly integrate him into the NHL because he's still a young guy. How old is he? 22? Yeah. I mean, I think they're going to have to go out and trade for a veteran goalie or overpay for somebody. They weren't going to overpay for Linus Olmark because Portillo's a guy you're looking at three years down the road still. You know, Um, you're going to have to get get to 2024 somehow. You know, even though the rest of your team might really be ready to go, your goaltending might not be. So they're going to have to find, I think, a veteran goalie to come in here and play. And certainly last year, nobody was coming here. Now things might look a little differently this going yeah. forward. Now, Alex Tuck is here. When you get Jack Quinn, guys might look at this team a little differently. The, the word gets out about Don Granado, but you need, I think it, it's going to have to be a veteran goalie here for the next two or three years. I think that's what they were thinking with Anderson. I mean, there's, there's a better person that you could put with as far as a person and a, and a mentor for Lukanen, and I think they thought Lukanen was going to, after what they saw in the NHL last year, that was going to come in in training camp, have a good camp, and then the two of them would would have, you know, the, the goaltending, and 
maybe Anderson might play a little bit more than Lukanen is, but they thought he'd be a very good mentor for him, which I think he would have would have been had it worked out. I mean, people jump on, you know, Adams, what an idiot for, you know, look, look at the goaltender. People seem to forget these two goaltenders weren't supposed to be here in training camp. That's not what the plan was. The plan was for these two to be in Rochester. And the Anderson plan was for Anderson really and well. Lukanen to be here. Yeah. And so really what you're looking at, since Anderson's been hurt, the Sabres have had the, the Rochester Americans goalies here uh, as, as their goalies. And, you know, that's, that's not what the plan was when now obviously Dell was a bad signing for Adams. I think Anderson was a good one, especially if you're thinking he's going to get paired with Lukanen and he's going to be a very good mentor for him. Then they may go that route again. Hey, Dell might year. go down to the minors and steal the show and lead him to that Calder Cup that you guys are talking about. Who knows? Craig doesn't seem Craig doesn't seem very optimistic <laughs> well, listen, about that. But I'm always a positive to thinker. That, to say that it was a bad move by Kevin Adams, it really wasn't because he's paying him like seven hundred fifty thousand, which is like probably the least you're paying a goaltender in the National Hockey League. Right? Yeah, but he's not an NHL goalie. I mean, that's it's as simple but, as that. But and, you're signing him, Paulie, just like you said, you were signing him to get him to solidify your American Hockey League team. I think you were signing him to be your number three guy. But I don't even think he's that. I don't because a number three guy can at least get you through for a couple games, and he can't. Um, but you know, I, I like the idea of Anderson being here with Luke and in, and maybe they would try that again next year too, depending on what you know what kind of injury is this that Anderson's going through, and is it going to be for the season or whatever? Whatever it is, we don't know. Is, the Anderson's, for you. is Anderson's family still in Florida? Yeah, I think he said they weren't coming up, right? Right. You know, he has he has I think younger kids that are 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 in school. So it's uh, you know at at some point, what is he forty forty one years yeah, old? He went on this road trip too, and he went on the road trip, and he was staying at his house in Parkland. Wow, okay. near the arena. Yeah. Well, the reason I that was just a free flight trip. home. That's all that right. was. That's what it was. Right? Right. Well, no, it, I, it, I might be worth millions, but you know what? I'm still going <laughs> to grab the charter. You know what I mean? Down to Florida. They went a day early because they want it was a bonding thing. So that's why Tuck and Anderson were on the trip. He wanted everybody on the team to be able to come and do the team bonding and that kind of thing. So that's why Anderson and Tuck are on the trip. That Here's the goalie trivia question I wanted to give you. Who's the highest paid goalie in the Sabres organization now? It Subban. is Malcolm Subban, isn't it? It is Malcolm Subban. At what, 850? <laughs> He's the highest paid goalie in the organization. Yeah, I think it's 850. Yeah, you know he's the highest paid goal. At some point, you're gonna. So with have him to... coming in, what are they, what are they doing with all these goaltenders? I think that's going to be kind of a question at practice Friday to find out are they going. You know, we don't know what Tokarski's status is. You got to figure he's out at least a week. So for I think the short term, you're going to maybe have all three of them, and I really think you're just going to try to play Subban and Lukanen for a week or so and see what you get. I was thinking Lukanen would go right back on Friday and then Subban would get the start on Saturday and Subban's probably your goalie till Tukarski gets back, but uh, they could, I, mean, they I, could I can't go, imagine Dell ever gets on the ice again. Oh, I said that before Yeah, this last game, if it were me and I understand, I totally understand what Don Granato said and I respect what he said, where he said the kids traveling all day, he didn't get to skate, you know, but sometimes that works out pretty well. You know, you're traveling all day. You're not thinking about where I'm playing the second best team in the National Hockey League, and they got all this firepower. You know, he gets to the rink and say, "Hey, getting that." Sometimes that works out pretty well when the kid doesn't have a chance to think about the whole thing. And very and much go, so. And, I, and so, 
and I, and I, but I totally respect where Don Granado was coming from, and he thought it would be unfair to put him in net, but I don't know. I think I probably would have. Last two topics I have, for if, unless we want to get into some round the league stuff too afterward. But uh, number one, um, what does Tuck do for you guys? You know, the whole Jack. Jack's back on the ice. I don't know if you guys saw that video yes, of I him. Did. He was on the ice. But Jack's back on the ice. Obviously, we, we, you know, we wish him well. But uh, what's Tuck do for you guys? And, and, and we haven't really had much time to chat about it before. But, uh, you know, overall, the, the deal and how happy are you that, that Tuck was in the deal? Well, I mean, first of all, it's an option on the wing. It's another 20-goal potential guy. He can play in all situations. He'll be really good in the dressing room. Um, I don't think you can overstate the idea where the Buffalo Sabres are as a franchise right now, that you traded for a veteran player whose dream, other than being in Vegas, whose dream was to someday play for the Buffalo Sabres. There weren't too many guys in the league out there saying that right now. And he's only Um, 25. Yeah, and he's only twenty five years old. There's only he one. Happens Mike. to be really good, hey, eh, Mike. So that right. works. That works. He for the happens same. to be really good. He <laughs> happens to want to be here because there are players. You know, go back to Vegas again. When Colin Miller was traded here and did his first press conference with us, he was as morose as any player I've ever heard get traded. He got traded from Vegas to Buffalo. I get it, but Alex Tuck is going to be really good for this franchise in terms of getting these guys in the room. And he's already working in the room now. And he told us the other day, he's trying to really get to know a guy or two every day. And I think he understands that he can have a huge role on this team and he can really start to bring these guys together. And he's coming from the experience of having played in a Stanley cup final already and played in a conference final. And, and I can't, you know, you're never going to win the Jack Eichel trade. It's not possible. But that's a pretty good piece to pick up for Jack Eichel in addition to Peyton Krebs. Oh, Mike, you yeah. talk about guys didn't want to be here. Remember when Craig Ravey was traded here? He, 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 didn't want, he didn't want to come to Buffalo. Some, some of us didn't want him. Some of us didn't want him to come. Why you didn't tell the real estate agent Paul? told him the housing prices compared to the Bay Area. Then he was like, <laughs> But look what happened. Him. Here he is now sitting in his home. Right. Where, I don't know where are you, Amherst, Clarence, wherever yeah. you are. I don't know where you are here. And, but I'm really he is. Buffalo. Here he is, but it happens all the time. I've heard Craig's story about when he first, it was like, Oh, what? <laughs> I got traded in uh, July 3rd. I think it was. Um, and uh, the funny thing about that was um, I didn't talk to Darcy Regeer on the phone until like the August 25th. I just refused to call him. I was like, I am not going to Buffalo. I hate Buffalo. I hate every guy in the team in Buffalo especially Andrew Peters. <laughs> and I appreciate that. <laughs> which didn't shake my hand the first time I met him. Just what a jerk. <laughs> anyway, but listen, now it's like I, I, I love like, so I come home last night and my son, my oldest son, 17 year old is on a FaceTime with his cousin. So my brother's son and he, my brother's son is since for years and years and years and years has been a huge Florida Panthers fan. He knows everything about the organization. Petey knows this. And obviously my, my cousin, uh, uh, Mac Weger plays uh, defense for, for uh, Florida. And these Number two 52, were, by the way. these two were on the phone talking, cheering for Florida. And the problem is, 
I'm hearing what they're saying and I'm getting irritated because things are not going well. Okay. Things are not going well for the Sabres right now. I want to smash his phone. I'm like, why don't you guys just take this crap <laughs> downstairs? Because I don't want to hear your, all oh, the Florida is going to win the cup and all this crap. Cause I love Buffalo. I, I played for Buffalo. I, I, I love the fan base here. Now the fan base is uh, it's taken a little bit of hit in the last couple years and rightfully so all these fans should be pissed off i'm gonna tell you right now i'm a fan of this team i don't play for it anymore but i'm a fan of the team and i like kevin adams and i like the direction of what this team's gonna look like in a year to two years from now i often say it's the bridge contract when you have a guy you've got to get your bridge contract till you become a long-term guy this feels to me completely like a bridge season that this is just the season to figure out what you have to get through until you get to 2022, 23, 24 with Power and Rosen and all these other guys coming in. This is the one year in the middle from the disaster of finishing 31st to wherever you're going to go. And we're going to remember this season, no matter how it turns out in that way. It's really not that relevant in the standings. We know where the standings are going to land. It's about how do you get these guys developed for the next three or four or five years. I just want to circle back to that story Craig told. Uh, when did you say you got traded? What was the date? July 3rd. July 3rd. Okay, so we probably met mid-August. You came to Buffalo? August 25th. Is when you moved here? Not when okay. I moved here. When I, I, I came to look for a house. Okay, when did you start? When was the day that you think roughly? Was it after Labor Day that I didn't shake your hand? It would have been uh, the end of uh, the end of August. Yeah. Okay. You need to understand something. The, you need because you said you hated me. The minute I heard, I remember who called me and told me that we traded for you, and it was Adam Mayer because we equally hated you as much. Mm -hmm. And I remember I said, "Well, now I know who I'm going after in training camp to warm up for the season." So for for a month and a half, I had prepared to go right after Craig Reve. And I remember asking Corey Smith, our goalie coach, try to make sure that me and Reve are on separate teams. If you have any kind of say about that, because I wanted to friggin' kill you. Anyway. Did uh, you? No, we shook hands, went for beers. <laughs> <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't hear that story, Paulie? Have you not heard I, that story? That's the first time I've ever heard that story. Paulie, I walk into the dressing room to skate by my very first time you know, I played in the league for what, 13 years already. You know, I go, I, sh I put my bag down. All the boys on the team are in, in a room. But you understand I the Pepsi Center around room is the you room. walk in, there's guys all the way along the room. So there's also a wall. I was against the wall where his back would have been turned to me the minute he came in and shook hands with probably would have been a goalie. Patty Laleem was the first guy he probably saw. And I was behind the wall. So he went around the room with his back turned to me. Go on, Craig. And I'm I never shook. the first guy on the ice, Paul. I got dressed so fast and went on the yeah. ice so I didn't have to shake his hand. I shook every <laughs> player, had some small talk, uh, uh, you know, where they lived in the summertime around the entire room, okay? Yeah. And as I was going to Andrew, he jumped up and walked out of the room. So I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> whatever, maybe just super excited to getting, getting on the ice, right? So now it wasn't that guy <laughs> we're skating around before we do this, this, this practice. And it's just the boys in the team. And we're all going around in a circle, just shooting pucks on net. And I go and I see uh, Petey, the only guy I haven't met yet. 
And I saucer a nice little pass to him, and he lifts his stick, lifts his stick before the puck comes to him. And now I'm like, all right. It I, was right on my tape, too. Yeah. Now I'm irritated. And right away, I, you know, maybe some rage issues myself, skated up to Petey. And I said, what the F are you doing? And he's like, I'm going to fucking kill you. And I was like, yeah, well. And all of a sudden, then we're looking at each other like, okay, all right. And we skate away from each other. <laughs> we're certainly after, not going to do it right here. After practice, <laughs> after practice from that day forward, Best buddy in Buffalo went for wings and beers after we talked her out, and now it's like, uh, here what we did are. Did you two say that, that players are children? Is that what you guys said earlier? Hundred oh, percent. We're all <laughs> we're all kids. We're all kids playing a kids game, and it's it's uh, it's it's awesome. And there wasn't one particular incident, right? It was just a natural built up rage over time, right? It was how he Listen spoke to me, to me during the, games that made me feel. <laughs> Listen, is that my fault that you're a junkyard dog barking at me every time I come near the bench? And I always had some pretty good comments. Yeah. So it was, one it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. But I, I remember I called him because we'd always turn on the TV. We'd always turn on the TV and, and watch. Somehow we'd get the Canada. Uh, we had illegal cable in our locker room. Figure it out, eh? Oh, come and, on. <laughs> no, I, I'm, no, I'm kidding with you. But we had the Canadian feed. So we all always see the highlights of uh, what was going on up in Canada. And Riv always got interviewed. Like all the time. Because he's a great interview. And... I remember the one time they beat a team and it was a really emotional game and we were coming in, we were, we were getting ready to leave Buffalo to go and go to Montreal. And we see this interview and there's Riv after the game. He's like backwards. He's like, emotion is good. Emotion is good. You know, we played well. I think we played well enough that we're going to beat Buffalo. They come in here on Saturday night. Well, we went in there, schlacked him like a shithouse toilet seat. And you know, you know, that was, that was you it. Are such a liar. I you called him, story all the time. I called him Mr. TSN, do another, <laughs> you know, all this know. stuff. But let me ask you this guys, before we let you go attendance in Buffalo, uh, what's the explanation for it? I mean, in, in your opinion, there's, there's a lot of different things. Uh, obviously you don't want to make it political if it's a, if it's a vaccination thing, obviously, but I, I mean, how much of it is the team? How much of it is the past? How much of it is just all of it together? I think most of it is the past. All those factors are carrying. But I, I've talked to more than one 20, 30-year season ticket holder who just said, that's it. I, I, I'm just tired of it. It's gone on 10 years. There's no end in sight. Um, so many people the last, not last year, but the year before where, why am I here? Why am I watching this garbage and paying all this money to be here? I don't want to be here, but yet I can't even give my ticket away. I walk up and down the street. And there isn't a person on my street who will take my ticket for free and go to the game. You could go on, on the secondary sources and buy tickets for $6, you know, to, to go to games. People are just fed up with this organization Kevin Adams has addressed it many times that they have to earn back the people's trust in this community. And he's very sincere when he says that it's just not words. He understands that. So yes, the other stuff plays in, you know, the border, everything, but mostly it's because of the franchise and where it's been the last 10 years, I think. Yeah. It's just a direct message to ownership. That's what it is. This isn't good enough. 
we're done. The pandemic hit a lot of people. Nobody could come last year. And I think people just said, I'm not coming back. Um, people will come back. Maybe not the same people. You will have people in the building when they win. I've talked to several people who say, you know, I'll probably come back to a lot more games next year when they have Owen Power and Jack Quinn and some of these guys on the ice. But right now, I think people, like Paul said, they don't feel it's been a good enough product over time. And and don't underestimate some of the shenanigans that were going on, too, with the $6 tickets on StubHub. There were, and I was told by the Sabres directly, there were over 3,000 season tickets handled by brokers that the Sabres pulled back. And those tickets aren't on the market now, and they're not on the market for $8 on StubHub either. The brokers were just trying to make their money when the Leafs in Montreal came in. So that flooded the market with a lot of cheap tickets, and that damaged the product because now people are like, well, I don't want to go unless I can get an $8 ticket. Well, this mm -hmm. is the NHL. You don't get $8 tickets. You know? So there's a lot of factors. The border thing is unique to the Sabres. That's been damaging. There's been a lot of factors that other teams don't have to deal with. But ultimately, this is the ticket-buying public's message to ownership. We are not coming until you give us a product worth coming for. What about Lee? Oh, go ahead, Bone. You're going to watching that game against the Florida Panthers. They don't deserve that team. There was nobody in that building for the second best team in the National Hockey League and the best team in the Eastern Conference right now with a lot of exciting young players. People in Buffalo would kill to have that team in Buffalo right now. And yep. you would have close to or a full, full building if that team were the Buffalo Sabres. And it's an absolute disgrace Can what I saw in that building. Yet with that, that Isn't this just proof that it's that time is. to move that team out of there, put them in Quebec or put them in somewhere where you're going to fill the seats and get them into a market, like a even a second team in Toronto? Like – they're a good bone. You just said it. You nailed it. They're a good team. Like, and you think that they're going to come out and pepper a team like the Sabres and you're going to want to come out and watch that. If you're, if you have true diehard fans, like you said, if that team is in Buffalo vaccination laws and everything, they're that filling the building. is full, right? Full. But the building's in a bad spot. I mean, let's understand the building's not in a great spot. People do not, you know, it's, you know, it'd be much better if it was in downtown Fort Lauderdale. Mm -hmm. but nevertheless, I, you know, the Panthers have been a team that has never drawn. I've never understood it, but the owner's very committed down there. They're not, there's no talk of them going anywhere. He's very committed to Florida. Um, I just think that right now it's tough for Buffalo. This is a historic low. They're going to have the lowest attendance of any team in the league since 2000 and probably earlier. I haven't looked previous to 2000, but I think people will be back. It's not going to be like Paul said, the 20 or 30 year people aren't coming back. There's going to be new people who will buy in when this team figures it out. I was here in 0304. Uh, again, I read another thing about uh, the Sabres uh, have averaged 8,500 uh, fans in the stands, and the top American Hockey League team is 80, 81 or 8,200. Well, here's the thing, too, is that, yeah, I think it's Hershey, but the Sabres, every team in the NHL is playing to over 70% of capacity, some of them much higher. Ottawa was at 59%. The last I looked, the Sabres were at 41% of capacity. I mean, the Sabres aren't even in the league on attendance figures compared to the rest of the league right now. It's horrific. Greg, right I sent you that fact, and you can't even quote it properly. Yeah, Ooh. so the Sabres' attendance is 83.45. San Diego Gulls is 81.35. They're the AHL leader. San Diego, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, either way, it's an either way. An AHL team is, is right there on the heels. And then this, guy, this person wrote uh, – this is the first time it's uh, Gabe Foley, NHL. 
Uh, this is the first time an NHL team has averaged less than 10K since 99-2000 Islanders and the first time uh, a team has been under 9K since 98-99 Hurricanes. Um, I was here in 03-04, and I just remember playing afternoon Sunday games against Philadelphia in front of like 6,800 people. Ronick ripped and, Buffalo for that too. I remember Ronick went crazy. He goes, this sucks playing here. Are you kidding me? There's nobody here. Ooh, There's no I'm atmosphere here down. at all. Ask about that. Ask yeah, I remember that. he got quoted after a game in Buffalo when when the you know back when attendance was low. That was the bankruptcy thing, wasn't it back then? Right. Well, we were the 0304 just coming out of it. It was Tom Galasano owned the team then, but the team hadn't turned a corner and then showed some promise toward the end of that year, lockout year. Then obviously we know what happened in 0506, 06, 07, which Craig has banned me from talking about in his presence. Um, <laughs> Oh shit! I just had I had a what I thought. Oh, what about league wide attendance worries, gentlemen? Like I, I mean, you know, we always tie the players' salaries to escrow and things like that, and it's all tied to HRR. Is there a league wide concern right now? Yeah, some of these teams are down. It's not a lot. I think it's gonna it, it's gonna be like any other year when football season's over. Some of these markets will really start filling up even more. But I think from a league-wide HRR concern, I think everybody's going to be looking at Buffalo saying, what's going on? I mean, that is a precipitous drop. That is a falling-from-the-floor drop in a place like Buffalo that went from 16,000 season ticket holders to 6,500. So that impacts the bottom line for everybody. I think you want to see more people in places like Carolina and Florida have winning teams. But other than that, you know, I mean, they're not doing bad. I mean, some people still don't want to go out with there's crowds. And I think the NHL is doing okay right now. But as the virus continues to spread and more players go down, I think you're going to have to see in the winter how people respond to it because that's a big factor that obviously never existed in our world. It's I'll too tell you bad. what, I'm fully vaccinated with a booster, and I enjoy going out listening to live music. I'm not going out to listen to live music right now. I mean, when it was outdoors, I did. But, uh, you know, I just don't trust it with the way things are going right now. So I, I just choose to stay home in those types of situations. I will say this before I let you guys go. And I thank you for your time. And don't worry, I'll say, I will have time to say thank you and everything at the end. Uh, two things. One, it's a shame that the, fan, that the more fans aren't out there. Because this team, actually, the players deserve the support because they're working hard. They might, they might, there might be times where they're not working smart, but they're working hard. And these are good young players that are up and coming that have positive attitudes, you know, and some of the veteran players too. That's what I'll say about that. Number two, again, another Seinfeld moment. I'm going to circle it all the way back to the start. Tage Thompson played 25 games under Don Granado at the NTDP. So I did hear that a few years ago okay. or whatever. And, and, remember that fact so i don't necessarily always have to fact check and i will say this it's been an absolute pleasure with you guys today like i, I it went by have, fast <laughs> it went by fast we, we've been going for just a tad over an hour and I, I mean we're trying to keep these things at around an hour but uh you know i didn't know how long you guys had either but we'd love to have you back We'd love to have you guys back. We'll, we'll do it again sometime. It's really, for a team that's not going to be in the playoffs, it's a fascinating team to watch and talk about. There's a ton of stuff going on with this club. And let me tell you, those 888 or 8300 that show up, the it's players great. appreciate it because when the Sabres play good and score some goals and are looking good, they're as loud as I've heard that building in years when there's, we're 17,000 people in there. So the, the people that are showing up 
when the Sabres give them something to cheer about, have been very enthusiastic, very loud, and uh, the players have noticed. Those I am so happy. Called diehards. Absolutely. Yeah. Though I'm so happy they got rid of the "Let Me Clear My Throat" goal song. I, I am. I, even even though I don't love all the players, you know, selections, whatever. That's fun, you know. But that man, that might have been the worst song. The worst song. Well, it's just it, it became emblematic of losing. It's from that losing time. I think you needed to change a lot of things, and it's something as simple as the goal song, as crazy as it sounds, change things. That's what they're doing. Awesome time, guys. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for Thank having you me. very much, boys. Greg. It was a lot of fun. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Greg Reve 52 at the Instigator76. You can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.